0: Fresh off of an exciting Super Bowl, our second one of the day. I mean, who else is doing back-to-back post-Super Bowl? Theo, and we got our boy Josh Larkey. You know him from the 33rd team. He's back in the district for his oh – man, at this point, he's an honorary GOAT. Let's get to it. I, I, I tried to look up. I couldn't find the official number, man. We'll have to go to That's the –
1: uh, pretty- you you might be over you might be over 6 at this point John I think you're over 6. Yeah, yeah, we'll
0: we'll we'll get that verified uh, before we get back. Let's get let's get to it, guys.
2: Go district. Bleat a ball. Bleep, a ball. Bleat a ball. Bleat bleat ball and I bleep a ball, yeah. bleat, a ball, it's the bleat, District, y'all. a ball, cause I bleat, 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 Hey, bleeding and I ball, defeated the ice, and see him at all, JD in the pies, I needed it all, I bleated a lie, you bleated a lie, not nah, I bleated a lie, and that's what I go do, facts, let me show you, happen to know, dudes, drafting and they don't do bad, and they don't lose, make you wanna, bleat, 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 it's the, Co-district boys giving you the finish and no gimmicks. The baseball drafts got me feeling like it's Christmas. Yeah. Then it's Christmas all of a sudden and these riches came from nothing. And I got this all from loving a district. See, I just drafted, forget it. I laugh at the critics, they mad at the digits. I clap back by listening. See, balin ain't a problem if you kick it with them off. And I refresh the feet till autumn. Then I bleep, bleep, bleat go.
0: What is up, Fantasyland? We're back for another ball-in. Like I said, we got Josh Larkery from the 33rd team. We're going to dive deep into early ADP for 2023, and we're going to particularly look at the way-too-early FFWC draft that we did, best ball draft, that the three of us actually participated in. What has it been now, Theo? Like two weeks already? Man, the time's flying.
1: Yeah, it's close to it. It it was a really, really high-level draft. Um, Shout-out to Billy Muzio, our friend, and Jody Smith. Um, And shout out to Scott uh, Atkins in in the FFWC for putting together a really, really competitive group of drafters. Uh, It was Josh, me, you, Billy, Jody, uh, Stephanie Smalls, Luke Sawhook. We also had uh, Jack Colsheen, um, who's one of the better FFWC players. Um, We also had a few other um, players who've been highly successful in the FFWC. And I know I'm forgetting a, a couple. But it's always difficult these drafts, especially the early ones. Uh, We did the hard way together, JD, and this is sort of like the FFWC uh, version of it. Uh, And it has a cool prize that the winner gets to go eat anywhere they want in like their hometown. So I'm sure Josh has like some incredible burrito spot. I'm (laughs) not sure. And we were trying to go over like you know Josh's appearances, um, but yeah, we really appreciate your time every time you're in the district. Uh, we get a, a great deal of information out, um, and it's awesome being able to like talk out with early ADP and, and set it. How, how, did, how did you like your team in this draft, Josh, and um, you know, how is, how do you approach early drafts?
3: Well, first, thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. And I will say that Scott Adkins is definitely rooting for me to win because it uh, turns out a burrito dinner is a little less expensive than a steak <laughs> dinner. So I know who he wants to pay out for this one. <laughs> I think in terms of my team, uh I'll just rifle through it quickly. It's McCaffrey, ETN, Olave, Christian Kirk, Judy, Pitts, Jameson Williams, Deshaun Watson, Elijah Moore, Dalton Schultz. Those are the first 10 picks just to give people an idea of how that draft started. Looking back, I wish I took one more receiver early, but I I think that the team still has a, a pretty obvious path to like what needs to go right for it to happen, but The receiver was definitely thinner than I expected just as we went through it. I think part of it as well is I am now starting my rookie research. So going into this draft two weeks ago when I hadn't started any rookie research, really, I think that's a disadvantage from the receiver perspective, just because we know how important it is to hit on some of these rookie receivers. So me kind of having my hands tied and not feeling confident in who I'm selecting there, it really narrowed my options. So I I kind of noticed after yeah it was probably after the JMO pick in round seven i really saw how receiver thinned out after that and thought you know i kind of wish i had one more receiver at this point point.
1: and uh, uh, just to refresh everyone on this format this particular best ball draft has a slightly different format than some of the other ffwc best ball drafts the, usually ffwc you're starting three wide receivers and you're starting two flexes when you play in a competitive ffwc league it's as wide receiver heavy as any high stakes format, certainly more so than FFPC and even more wide receiver centric than the NFFC because you really want to start those five wide receivers for this one. They chopped off one flex, but you know, Josh is right. I mean, it really, it really dries up. Um, it's difficult to kind of make up for it at wide out. Um, but you know, I don't, I didn't mind it. Cause I played in this format a little bit before and, uh, and I knew it. So I was, I was like, uh, like having a little leg up on that. But you took Christian McCaffrey. JD, JD, you took Jamar Chase, which is like, you know, anybody listening to the district, JD, Dan, and I are taking Jefferson and Chase one, two. Andrew a hundred percent is taking those guys one, two. It's but you took McCaffrey at three. Uh, for you, is would you push him up into the one-two discussion, or for you is he, is he the clear three. What was your approach to McCaffrey in these early drafts?
3: I kind of think you could argue any version of those three. I think that is the clear top three. Uh, I think I'd probably lean Jefferson over chase very, very slightly, but I could also be talked into chase having more upside in any given year than Justin Jefferson Uh, with the reason I took McCaffrey at three was ultimately, that I view these three as kind of that initial tier one and McCaffrey can break fantasy. We've seen him do it basically anytime he's healthy. He is the runaway best running back in fantasy. And I, I loved what I saw from him in San Francisco and now having the entire offseason to further incorporate him, the, the chance for some potentially better quarterback play as well. Overall is out there, whether it's a free agent, whether it's Purdy's development, whether it's, Trey Lance putting it all together. I think there's potential for that as well. So I, I just felt like he, if healthy, is uh in the 101 conversation. So that's kind of why I went him there.
1: And JD, follow up because JD and I were actually having this conversation in the pre-show because we're 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 in best ball drafts currently. Um I'm in I'm in two FFPC ones right now. And actually, I took McCaffrey at the at the 104 in one of them, and I saw Christian McCaffrey fall to the 105. JD, well, I, even, even
0: the hard way that we did, Theo, I, I started exactly like uh, Josh did from the four spot with McCaffrey and then Etienne coming back. So I got him at 104 and, and obviously Kelsey went went before him in tight end preview.
1: Mm-hmm. So, J.D., do you think that that's correct, though? Like if you're taking FFPC, is the, like the Kelsey versus McCaffrey or Kelsey versus really anyone discussion at this point for FFPC... Do you think Kelsey is the clear 103 with the with the 1.5 points per, per reception for a tight end? Or you would you have taken McCaffrey at the three? And I'm curious Josh's take on how he'd value him in, in, in a tight end premium format.
0: Yeah, I mean, we do so many of these. It starts becoming percentage, right? How much percentage you want at each, at each guy at, at every spot. I think when it's tight end premium, we saw again Kelsey, I believe uh, Fantasy Mojo, shout out to him. He's in this draft tweeted out the winning lineup. And again, we saw Kelsey, right? So it's kind of hard to not want Kelsey in tight end premium, but similar to Josh, I like the top three in this draft CMC and I'll sprinkle in some Kelsey, uh, here and there. I think CMC, you know, the thing with you look at these RBs and we'll see it as we get through the draft, it's hard to see these guys have that locked in, you know, possible RB one role with this kind of produ- production. It's the same thing at tight end at, at the tight end position. And that's why you see Kelsey and CMC and then kind of a drop into the next tier.
1: Yeah. To me, it's like they're the same tier and, and uh, I'd rather pick one, two than three, four at this point. Yeah. John, how would you go? Like if you're in a, you know, in a tight end premium Kelsey versus McCaffrey,
3: I think I'd probably take more Kelsey, but if you gave me the one Oh three and FFPC 50 times, I would have McCaffrey sprinkled in there. It would probably be 35 Kelsey, 15 McCaffrey if I had 53 spots in that format. That would be my my gut feel there. Where Kelsey, ultimately, he's the difference maker. I think we kind of saw that the H-Cliff isn't close, and a lot of his numbers improved this year compared to last year without Tyreek, which I think we mostly expected, but there was still like a little bit of that uncertainty. Like, oh, he's in his 30s. Can they just purely funnel an offense through him where there's almost nothing... Of danger to the defense on the outside at any time, and I think the answer was kind of a resounding yes, that the the Chiefs can still do that, that Kelsey can still be that guy. He's about as safe as it comes in terms of the production, the the pretty clean bill of health. Has passed like eight seasons, so I think in FFPC Kelsey looks like a pretty good 103. In this format where it's just PPR no 10 in premium, then I think it would be more of like. McCaffrey almost every time out of those 50 and that you could sprinkle in a little Kelsey but I I just think the difference that McCaffrey makes at running back and with raw points in this format is something Kelsey just can't compete with where the raw fantasy points are just going to be so much better
1: for McCaffrey shout out to Eagle defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon you may want to cover that Kelsey guy a little bit better if you uh, if you play again uh, next season. Um, I think we'd all, we all would not mind a, uh, a Kansas city, uh, Philadelphia opening night game. That would be, that would be kind of fire. Um, but wanted to keep, get back to this draft. Uh, were there any surprises? This question for, for everyone, uh, were there any surprises in the first round guys? Um, good or bad uh, starting with Josh.
3: So I had one surprise, I think. Uh, so Cooper cup went at six. I think that's too early. And the reason for that is a fewfold. One, I don't see how his ADP rises above that. Uh, And the reason that I think his ADP will either stay or fall is we have no idea what's going on with Stafford. He could retire. This Rams roster is truly horrific on paper. They're in for a long several-year rebuild of some kind. It's an aging, expensive roster. Uh, Cup himself is about to hit 30. He's getting close. He's coming off of a major injury. And I, I just think that if we take out Stafford in a vacuum, Cup is not as good of a talent as Jefferson, Chase, Hill, Diggs. Like there, you could go down the line. And I think, like, if I'm looking right now, like Lamb, AJ Brown, Adams, Metcalf, uh, like Garrett Wilson, Waddle, Amonra, There's so many guys where I'm kind of like, this might be a better receiver in a vacuum than Cup. And that's that's why I think in general he should be more of a one two pick at this point. Six I think is just a little bit aggressive right now in terms of I don't see him rising, but I, I have so many
1: reasons why he could fall. Janie, anything anything stand out to you in that first round?
0: Well, it's funny you and I had this exact conversation coming coming on on the air just because that surprised me. I'm surprised how people are not more are, are not less bullish on Cup just because you know coming off the injury, his age, and you look at these guys that that uh, Josh just mentioned. I mean, we talk about wide receivers that have done it before, that have been in those top 12s. I think he goes at the end of those guys at this point for me. And then I'm kind of looking at, at the next guys that have that possible upside. But I am surprised by how bullish people are on cup just in general right now in best ball land. And the other, I guess, not as surprising, maybe more of a second round discussion, but we're, we're heading that way anyways, Theo, is is Barkley. I mean, Barkley was one of the top two running backs taken, top three, sorry, running backs taken going into the season he still gave you an Rb5 outcome as his first full six you know full uh, health, fully healthy season in a Giants uh, offense that showed you potential right and that you know they add some pass catchers there and and you you could see this offense um, improving even more and that just helps Barkley. so I do think that he might sneak in. Uh, at the back end of the first, depending on how watered down some of the backfields get in other offenses. But those are probably the, the two biggest surprises for me uh, in the first round, if we have to point any out.
1: So for me, I think that basically for, for this format, I would have been a little more wide receiver uh, centric. Um, Jonathan Taylor is very appealing, um, you know, th- but he did go down in points per game. He dropped like nine points per game this year. And we do have questions about the, the Colts offense, Uh, the 33rd team, uh, which Josh, you know, helped put together, they're projecting uh, Will Levis to be the number three overall pick. So there might be a rookie QB uh, for the Colts uh, this season. I just have questions about that. I think if you want to go running back there, uh, pushing Bijan up might've made a little sense. And I think that, you know, JD brings up like Saquon versus Jonathan Taylor is, is a, is a real discussion right now. Um, but I, the first round was really not anything too crazy. Pivoting to this to the second round here, JD, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Saquon. I picked Garrett Wilson, who I just cannot stop picking <laughs> um, around like wide receiver eleven, wide receiver twelve. Um, I am so bullish on him to my own detriment in these early best ball drafts, where I think that there's a chance that they'll. Well, I know they'll have improved quarterback play as long as they change quarterbacks. Even if it's, you know, if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, like there's some rumors, obviously Aaron Rodgers, any kind of stable veteran presence at, at, at quarterback, I feel like he could blow up. Um, he had 148 targets as a rookie, which is just incredible. Um, and I feel like he's got, checks all the boxes to, to have like a top five uh, wide receiver season uh, and kind of be a, a guy that could really beat ADP. Curious how you're, you are approaching Garrett Wilson, uh, Josh, in these in these early drafts.
3: So this was the first draft I did. I had him queued up for my second round pick. Had no idea if he'd make it there. I think him going in the mid second feels right. Uh, The way I see it is that we suffered through nine games of Zach Wilson this past year. And if you look at the games where Zach Wilson didn't start, then what are we doing? We're looking at Joe Flacco and Mike White. And he was basically a wide receiver one, like a mid tier wide receiver one with Flacco and Mike White. These are not good quarterbacks. And I think that kind of shows what the potential is for Wilson. If as a rookie, he was a wide receiver one with mediocre QB play. He sucked with Zach Wilson. That's okay. Everyone was awful with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson may never start another NFL game outside of coming in for injury for the rest of his career. For all we know, I think that that chip has sailed for him in New York at the very least. So that's what I like about Garrett Wilson is that with even moderately competent QB play, he was an elite fantasy producer as
1: a rookie. And JD, you you took T. Higgins, and I know you're extremely bullish on him. Was that was your pick there with Higgins, like structural? Because you took Chase, or was was it Higgins all along, um, for you in that position?
0: No, I think he's in that range. I think he's going to be in that two in that two three turn range. Um, Yeah. I mean, you're kind of dreaming to hit Burrow on the way back. I I figured he probably wouldn't with this, with this crew, but I figure I'll take a chance there, you know, Metcalf, Pittman, and we're going to see, including the guys you just talked about, the common thread is just the question mark at quarterback in a lot of these scenarios. And that's where you're going to see some of these guys, you know, move around and then establish themselves in this ADP as we get more information on the quarterback position. Like, Like I look at Metcalf and Pittman, I prefer Higgins to to Pittman. That's for sure. Um, yeah, Metcalf looked good at the end of the season, but I still prefer Higgins to Metcalf. And then you're kind of going down the line, and you know we'll talk about the next guys. But I, I think he's he's in that spot, and I I don't mind getting Chase with Higgins. I know Josh uh, the stack. King, who who came out with that great piece uh, a few few years or a couple years ago, I, I don't even know what's a couple or a few now, Josh, because it's been so uh, so long. But um, is there is there a negative or there's is there a capped ceiling there with my roster uh, going Chase and Higgins, or is the stack uh, positive uh, with this build?
3: It looks good to me. I think Higgins should go around that range in general, and we so often see two receivers have elite fantasy seasons from the same offense. Chase Higgins, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Uh, we had a year with Jefferson Thielen recently. Even like Evans Godwin had a lot of really good games yeah, Waddle, together this the year. Waddle, Waddle, the year. Besties, Waddle yeah. Hill, uh, Metcalf Lockett this year, both crushed. Yep. There's just so many scenarios where you see two guys just demolish ADP or just put up big raw fantasy points from the same offense. So all you're asking for is Burrow to throw for 4,540. And this is—you uh, have a good chance of reaching or exceeding ADP with that with that duo.
1: Yeah, and and JD JD mentioned uh, Josh's work. Josh dropped a, a correlation and stacking article on Player Profiler, which is one of the best. Uh, which is when he was there, uh, maybe two years ago at this point. But scary. that article was as good on stacking with real hard data behind it as you will find. So give that a, give that a, an old Google. Uh, when you're best ball drafting anybody listening into this yeah if you play best uh, ball, it's a must it's a must we've also also talked about it in the goat district with you where we had a whole uh podcast a couple years back where we really dove into the data um and josh is excellent with that Uh, curious josh you took travis Etienne with your second round selection was this a structural pick to have running back running back or do you view ETN as like a, a great value right there as a back-end second rounder, maybe as opposed to taking one of the, you know, the, the close to it wide receiver ones?
3: So for me, I just felt like Higgins, Metcalf, Pittman, Olave, who ended up taking all those guys felt like a, a little bit of a teardrop at receiver, as if I would be going down a tier to receiver etn kind of felt like the end of that elite running back tier so i almost didn't take him because i already started with McCaffrey. but i was kind of thinking that there's just such a big drop off in terms of etn is the workhorse for what should be in a, a one of the one of the best offenses in the nfl next season and he got there in fantasy for the most part this year without catching passes and we all know that he has that in his range of outcomes if he doubled or tripled his receiving usage from this past season next year that wouldn't be the craziest thing. so i kind of felt like he had this this really good floor just in terms of what the workload's going to be with rushing. we know he has something in the receiving game. we also know we have also seen him have elite receiving numbers in college with this quarterback in Lawrence. so i kind of think he should be going in this range just to begin with. but then especially when looking at who the next running backs were, i feel like they all had warts where like Brees Hall goes next. He's got the injury. Deandre Swift just doesn't get playing time. Like we'd like Nick Chubb is aging and doesn't catch passes. Josh Jacobs. We have no idea what's going on with him. He has just this massive range of outcomes. And then like Ramondre Stevenson, who knows what's happening year after year with these Patriots running backs. Najee Harris doesn't have the ceiling. So it just kind of felt like I couldn't really pick holes with ETN. I could with the other running backs. So, uh, I think looking back on it, I probably would have gone Higgins, Metcalf, or Olave, seeing how the draft played out. But I think in a vacuum, the ETN pick was right, if that makes sense.
1: 100%. And JD JD went ETN in the second round of the hard way with the Metcalf or ETN mm-hmm. start. I'll say that I've heard a lot of arguments recently about how ETN needs more targets in order to justify his current ADP. And I think there's... Something to be said with that, but if you if you look at his looking at ETN's raw stats doesn't really give you credit as to how impactful he was this season because we had the very very slow start with James Robinson getting the bulk of the work early, then we had that incredible lull in the in, for about a three game stretch where ETN was just abysmal. So even if even if he his target share doesn't really go nuts next year, I think that that offense is trending up. The Ridley addition is going to help them. I fully expect them to bring back Evan Ingram. We are very bullish on Trevor Lawrence in the Goat District for next season. So I think there's a, just a scenario where Etienne has his same you know rushing share that he saw for the majority of the last 12 games of the season, and he just the pie grows larger with the Jacksonville offense. So I like that pick. Certainly less um, things to worry about than like with Brees Hall's injury and whatever. But JD, you you did take Brees Hall in the third round um i i think that's a good value where you took him uh, maybe share a little bit of your thoughts about him
0: yeah i think i think i mean again it's uh, these guys like josh mentioned you you start looking and everybody's got a wart right everybody's got like you in the right light they look good but then you look them at a, on a different angle um it, it's it's not as pretty so Hall showed us some serious top five potential. He's a top five running back in this league when he's when he's healthy. So at this point, you're you have to start filling in the blanks with what's your what's the draft story. You guys hear me always talk about the story I'm telling with my draft. So in this case, I, I like Brees Hollett as an RB one, and then I came back um, and backed that up with with Pollard. I know again Pollard with the injury, but for me in the fourth round, when you're looking again at the guys going around him, Pollard for me can easily give you a top five. Uh, finish to the season. So to get those two guys to pair with chase and Higgins in a, you know, in a league with, you know, the three receivers, I started with my two strong receivers and now to have those two as my starting running backs after four rounds, I I don't hate it. Even with the risk uh, that that's implied with both the jets running back and the Dallas running back.
1: We see an interesting, uh, interesting two things start to happen in this range of the draft. And this has kind of been, been, Consistent in, in best ball drafts early, I, Alave seems to be like the tier break, and it's not necessarily it's not necessarily uh, Pittman up there. But he, in this one, in this one, Pittman is wide receiver fifteen or sixteen. I'm having trouble reading sixteen. Receiving. Sixteen. All right. So we're really seeing like Alave, and then there's there's a gap. So it goes it goes like Alave, and then there it, usually there's a there's a slight gap um, down to wide receivers. It's it's just kind of interesting. Do you see Alave as like Josh? You, yet again, Josh, you took him uh, in this draft with the three hundred three. Did you see Alave as like the last of the like a, a sizable gap with the players behind him due to due to his explosive uh, rookie season and his potential in year two? Um, or do you think he's a little closer to the guys behind him?
3: I think he's closer to the guys that I took him with. I think you could actually argue that DJ Moore should have gone earlier. Where there's no target competition, they don't have CMC catching passes, there's no wide receiver 2 of note on this current roster, but we know that it's a desperate uh it's just desperate management. We could see them make a swing for one of these marquee quarterbacks. I think there's a lot of outlets for DJ Moore, so I actually think he should probably go a little earlier. I would definitely take Olave over Pittman. I I think it's really tough to to sell me on Pittman over Olave when they both have QB issues and one guy was simply a better prospect and has shown much more per like stage of his career. When you look at Olave's rookie season compared to Pittman. So I don't, I don't see any way where Pittman should go ahead of him. I think Olave Higgins Metcalf, that kind of feels like a good group. So I think he, he looks like around two, three turn pick.
1: Pittman feels, like a player. Player. Pittman feels like a purgatory player where he could hit wide receiver two numbers and not really do anything for your team. Uh, JD, you're, I know you're high on Alave. Do you view him like, uh, you know, kind of in his own little tier? We talked about this with Davis Matic um, when he was on with, with Billy Muzio in the district. He's very high on Alave as well. Views him kind of like Jalen Waddell last year in terms of value. Do you view him in kind of his own little Stratosphere JD or is there anybody right behind him you see that is close to him
0: Yeah for me what Olave's has shown you uh not in like it's not like he's been in the ideal quarterback situation either right or in that offense just overall so he's he's shown us that production in in an iffy situation whereas Pittman you saw you know you, you had iffy weeks in an iffy offense um and I, I I think like Pittman for me now is probably closer to like the Ah, uh, it, it's hard, man. I'm looking at where he would go. He's probably in the next next round for me, closer to the Mike Williams. I want to say ahead of Mike Williams, yeah. Um, in in that range, right? Uh, just because, again, unless something really great happens at the quarterback position, Indy. As much as I'm a Colts fan, uh, it, it's looking gloom at the moment. And then even when they come in with a with a rookie quarterback we've all seen it it takes time right to build that rapport with these guys especially with a younger uh receiver it'll be in a, a new offense for the quarterback so for me olave is definitely in this range you talked about dj Moore, josh it's funny because i'm looking at the the ffpc the never too early the latest complete draft and dj Moore went right ahead of olave in the fourth round
1: yeah i think that there's a similar bet right now um pitman it's interesting like Pittman had multiple games where Paris Campbell uh, outperformed him. Where Alec Pierce outperformed him a few times. So to me, it's like the Pittman window is now to kind of, you know, he's not not a guy that's going to hurt you, but I don't think he, I, th- I think he's a guy that kind of doesn't really elevate you, whether it's Dynasty or. Well, Utah. if
0: you want to take a if you want to take a crack at a Colts receiver, you take one of the guys you mentioned, Theo, later later in the draft, right?
1: Yeah, Alec Pierce late versus Pittman here. Uh, like they, those guys might be you know, 12 spots uh, apart in terms of like scoring this year in PPR. Um, So it's, it's interesting. One trend we also see guys is we start seeing quarterbacks go off the board and it's, it's almost automatic at this point in best ball. When you see Patrick Mahomes get selected, you see Hertz or Allen go right behind him, And then, then you see the other quarterbacks kind of getting, you know, pushed up because of this. FFWC is a four point passing touchdown format. And again, we have 24 rounds here for this best ball with no kickers and no defense. So uh, what do we think of this? I mean, we've talked about it in the go district for months. Now the, the one, two, three in the, in like the third round here, do you think this is, this is correct? Do you think this is not even high enough? Josh, your take on the, on the return to early QB. I think it wasn't high enough. So on underdog,
3: half PPR, so a little bit of an advantage to quarterbacks if the other positions don't score as much. But Allen, Hurts, and Mahomes are all gone by pick 15. Yep. Here we see them all going in the third round. I think the 2-3 turn is probably where these guys should be going, give or take. So I think getting them kind of in the middle of the third felt pretty good. I If I had taken a receiver at 2, I would have considered going, I Hertz would have been my pick. He's my current QB1 for this next season. He was the points per game leader in fantasy this past year. If I had taken Higgins maybe in the second round, I probably still would have gone Olave at 3-3. But I would have been open to Hertz in the third. I just didn't feel like you can start with no receivers through three rounds when it's start three. But I, I did think, like, I at least considered Hertz, even though it wouldn't have worked with my build, just because it felt like good value.
1: Yeah, the guy who took Hurts is, is pretty sharp um, in this <laughs> <job>. um, <laughs> round. after watching that Super Bowl. Um, but I do think what's interesting is, I agree with you, and we've had, J.D. and I have got a chance to sit down with some of the best players in the country in high stakes, and the the return to, um, you know, we'll call it early rounds, almost first round QB drafting is right there. Um, I think we'll really see it in the NFFC where it's six-point passing touchdowns. Like, I think that the, the it's not going to be out of the question to see a quarterback go with the, the one-two turn with that third-round reversal format. Um, but I am curious, J.D., we, we saw this in two drafts now where QB4 gets pushed up because of like the... like It's like a gravitational pull where you see the top three go. We saw this in our FFPC Hardway draft where quarterbacks flew off the board after the big three. In this particular draft, Lamar Jackson went QB4, which I think is is a little bit abnormal. It's usually Burrow going QB four, um, and then Jackson is somewhat closer to the Lawrence's, Fields and Herberts right now with his question marks. Do you do you think that like that is the that that is a mistake people are making, um, or are you trying to grab the potential QB one there, JD? Yeah, I mean. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say it's a mistake, right, at, at this at this time of the year. I think what we will see, and you talked about Lamar going ahead of Burrow in a draft, and, you know, you've got Herbert kind of right behind that. We're going to see some of these kind of next-tier quarterbacks as they get the new rookie, you know, hot rookie receiver, or they get, like, a big signing at receiver or at a weapon around them. You're going to see probably some of these guys jump up. We saw last year, like, Russell Wilson flew up, right, To yeah. after he went to Denver.
1: Frank Lance and Russell Wilson, it's like the – those guys got pushed up, and QB basically QB. If you took the lower QB one and the high QB two this year, you were dead in the water. Those guys all failed, um, to a T. Trey Lance, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, they they all failed. You only saw value with Justin Fields and Tua Tunga-Vailoa, mm-hmm. where those guys were were late, like end of Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, one hundred percent. And then a couple of these guys undrafted. But Josh, do you think we should be treating it like like tight end? Where the truly elite and then wait? Or you want to take shots on like this next tier?
3: Yeah, actually, I was talking about this earlier with um, our our head of betting, Ryan Reynolds. He and I are working on a lot of underdog content to come out this week. Some other best ball uh, platforms as well. And we both kind of talked about how after this top three, you should probably wait. And that was kind of our consensus was that if you wait a little bit, Lawrence, Herbert, Watson, uh, I think Rodgers is interesting because of where he could go. Geno Smith, even I think, is pretty interesting. It seems like a lot of those guys don't look too different to me, at least. Then I like I think Burrow was too soon. I do. I would probably at this stage have Lamar at QB four because he does have the upside to outscore Hurts, Allen and Mahomes. We've seen him do it before. But it almost feels like Burrow's kind of a safe pick to go quite that early. And I just I don't think on paper Herbert and Burrow are going to project that differently when it's week 1 of the 2023 season. I think Burrow's obviously a little more stable, but I don't think I be very surprised if herbert outscored him and i think herbert has more upside even than burrow so while i take burrow ahead of him i think those guys are pretty close i'd almost rather fields even where if he gets a receiver he can even sneak into that tier so i kind of view uh burrow lawrence herbert as these guys should all kind even watson they should go a lot closer together than they did in this draft
1: we see uh, the wide receivers just fly off the board in the fourth round, which is this is very normal for a FFWC draft. We see eight go in the fourth round, we see seven go in the fifth round, um, and that's just how it's going to be if you draft FFWC. You, sometimes you see even more. the The yellow runs are insane. But one before we dive into these guys, one big mistake I and I discussed this with Dan a little bit, and and uh, a couple of other guys we're in chats with that play high stakes the it seems like the calvin ridley is so close to christian kirk i've been in multiple drafts where calvin ridley goes ahead of christian kirk which seems kind of nuts to me mm-hmm. what is your reaction to to ridley versus kirk josh am i wrong here like i think that it should be kirk even high even more of a gap between him and ridley right now
3: yeah i liked picking kirk at 410 i didn't think this was some smash pick but i thought about him and Ridley. I looked at some of the other options and Kirk just felt like a really safe option with upside where year one playing with Trevor Lawrence, he was a borderline wide receiver one. And I think we can expect more from him next year. I feel like people are very scared. Like, Oh, Calvin Ridley's there. I'm like, well, Ridley's almost 30. He hasn't played in a year. Kirk is the one that has experience with Lawrence and in their first season together, he just smashed. It seems like Lawrence kind of likes Kirk and vice versa. Kirk was an elite prospect in my opinion who kind of floundered and underperformed with the Cardinals. So seeing what he did last year felt more in line with, honestly, what I expected his career to do playing out-wise. On underdog, actually, Ridley goes ahead of him. I was looking this morning, doing some research. I think there should be at least a one-round gap in Kirk's favor, where Kirk has done it. I understand that Ridley had some very elite usage in terms of the target share with the air yards, with the Falcons. That was also a team that aired it out and really didn't have much else where it was basically him and Julio Jones. And whenever Julio Jones was injured, then you were dropping basically to like Olamide Zacchaeus. So we haven't necessarily seen Ridley with too much target competition. Meanwhile, Kirk, Zay Jones, Engram, that is, uh, there's real competition there for targets. So I, w- I would just go with Kirk, the guy that's done it at an elite level already with this quarterback. And I think Ridley's kind of the upside swing. I would just wait longer. So. Looking at it, like, I took Judy right before Ridley. I think Judy is going to project better than Ridley.
2: I think his 100%. upside
3: is more than Ridley. Uh, yeah. Moving down the list, like, uh, Theo, you took Watson. I loved that pick. You basically just need Rodgers to stay in Green Bay. I have no idea what the odds of that happening are. But if we knew Rodgers was his quarterback, like, I think you'd want Watson well ahead of Ridley. So it seems like Ridley should be closer to, uh, like, a 5-6 turn pick maybe mid round six at this stage where we just don't fully know what's going on with him. And where we just don't see this happen very often where a receiver takes a full year off. I hope he's training, but like it, usually when these guys are away from the team, it's just harder for them to be motivated to train quite as hard. And he's also older with an injury history. And he's always just kind of been older for his place in the NFL in terms of seasons played compared to age. He's kind of like Kenny Galladay where you look at how many years he's played, you look at his age, and you go, oh, wow, this guy, yeah, I forgot he started his NFL career at like 23 and a half, 24 years old.
1: Yeah, and it, it, like Kirk, you bring up this past season where, you know, he was like wide receiver 15-ish. But the year before he was wide receiver 24, um, you know, so we've, we've seen this now for, for two seasons with Kirk producing for us. So I don't know. It's very odd. you bring I, I up think – I think – Sorry to one, see what –
0: I think it's important, guys, to mention too when we did this draft, there was no like set EDP, right? We were like searching for a lot of these guys, right? Like through the, the name list, we didn't have a, a proper ADP in order because it's one of the first drafts on the site. So, again, I'm looking at some of the guys that went after Ridley. I mean, I mean, give me Jamison uh, Williams like two rounds later, you know what I mean? In, in Detroit, that showed us those nice flashes. Uh, to me, if I'm going to take like a shot at upside, uh, I rather go for the young receiver coming, you know, coming off of an injury, but still showing us flashes in an in, in an up up-trending, uh offense. Whereas Ridley, for me right now, is more of a hope, hope and a dream. And I think people forget how old this guy is, you know. And and is he not the new flash? Like the he had that one season or whatever, and now we're always going to be chasing that in the drafts. Or do you guys actually think that he comes in and and solidifies? I don't think that uh, the answer to that quantifies uh, him being a fifth round. Traffic, in my opinion, but again, could have been just mm-hmm. searching for names.
3: I think it's he's a, a good one. Jamo was my favorite pick that I took in the seventh round. I assumed he was off the board because, like you said, we were just like frantically searching the whole time yeah. for players. <laughs> was, we're just, I like was stuff. Like, just like, yeah, I was, I was looking for anything, but yeah, when I took Jamo at 703, I thought that was really good value. And I think yeah. what you said about Ridley is a good way to put it because I was struggling to figure out what type of archetype I would classify for him. I just felt like round seven was too late that's a good one jMO versus Ridley you almost it's like all right let's just go with the guy that has uh like he's like what six seven years younger with the elite speed so I think that's a good way to put it so yeah I think I would go jmo over Ridley in a vacuum like I would take Ridley over like Gabe Davis Bateman Burks a lot of the guys that were going like in the round after him but I think that's a good one in terms of if you're gonna take the upside swing, I would say probably every single platform Ridley's ADP is going to be ahead of JMO. If you want that, you can just wait a round or two.
1: Sticking with this seventh round, we saw four running backs go off the board. Um, JD, you selected JK Dobbins. The pick before that was Miles Sanders. James Connor uh, went to Jody Smith. And then I selected Javante Williams. Josh, do any of these round seven running backs appeal to you in this range?
3: Yes, yeah, so I was looking at uh, I was looking at Dobbins and then JD took him. I liked that one. It's pretty crazy that his ADP is so much later than last year when he's now like he should be healthier. I think there's kind of this Lamar Jackson uncertainty, but I'm not. I think Dobbins is good enough where even if Lamar is not there, he can still produce quite good numbers. And if anything, Lamar not being there would hurt his rush efficiency, but probably helps him in the passing game. So I'm not fully sure if Purely for fantasy, Lamar's helping or hurting Dobbins, and then the other one was Javante. I, I loved that pick. I think Javante should go. Like, like looking at Connor versus Javante in a vacuum, one of these guys is currently on. Like, if you look at, I, I'm I'm writing up a Super Bowl article for 2024 Super Bowl bets that I, I've made, and one thing I I talk that's awesome. about is that's sick, how the that's so awesome. Uh, is I, I talk about why I'm bullish on the Broncos, and if you just look at odds. On DraftKings, the Cardinals have the worst Super Bowl odds for next year because they literally don't have a quarterback. They have a terrible aging roster. I would not want the aging bell cow from this aging, terrible roster that's currently projecting to have the worst chance of making the Super Bowl over Javante Williams, where he got injured early enough that his recovery should set him up for week one and where I think overall this Broncos offense should be better. So I, I think Dobbins, Javante... I would probably take both those guys over, even like Damian Pierce, who went 6-1. I think that's kind of where I'd lean right now, even just in terms of where we should anchor it, that both those guys, you should push them up quite a bit.
1: JD, anything to add on your selection of J.K. Dobbins? And I will say that I thought you were going to take Javante Williams, JD, and I would end up with Dobbins there. Yeah, Um, so so the
0: total total build choice. Those were the two I was deciding from. I couldn't believe Javante Williams was there. I look right now at the never too early on the FFPCs. He's going in the fourth round. Uh, Javante wow. just, just around Pollard so that's serious value there but again we're searching for these names right and because I already had Hall coming off injury Pollard coming off injury I was like I don't want another guy he's a little less coming off injury with Dobbins we've seen him mm-hmm. put up numbers and volume and and like Josh said even if Lamar is not there maybe the volume that he gets especially with targets uh, you know kind of keeps him at that level so I did like Dobbins there I was deciding between Williams so the fact that you got him like in the mid seventh round is just pure money
1: yeah, I think they're they're both guys that will be dead zone running backs this year, um, and I think that they both uh, have potential to to beat their ADPs there because they're both young. Uh, we've seen them both flash. Um, there's definitely some risk in both of them, but that's why they're in the dead zone. And if those guys would have stayed healthy this season, I think they would have been going higher than this. Certainly, um, wanted you guys to, to to pivot over to wide receiver. We I love the Jamison Williams selection Josh made. JD's a big fan we love Jameson Williams in the goat district so we don't need to dive into him you can Alfredo but,
0: Brown earlier go check out uh, this the earlier Dan and Theo sat down with Alfredo Brown from the football guys big Jameson Williams guy
1: yeah he loves Jameson Williams he actually traded the 104 um, in a non-superflex PBR league for Jameson Williams in the 201 he talked about that trade it's a, it's a very I young, love that wow that's a great big trip. time so <laughs> we love Williams but let's look at starting with George Pickens at the 7-4 all the way down to J- to Zay Jones with the 8-12, we saw like about 11 wide receivers go in this range. So uh, is there any of these guys that really stand out to you as values here, uh, Josh?
3: Yeah, I'll go rapid fire. I have a few strong thoughts on these guys. I think Pickens at 7-4 is way too early. The, this guy had like a 15% target share as a rookie. He's basically being inflated by a couple of really good catches. Kenny Pickett is in no way uh, an elite quarterback for our fantasy receivers. Deontay Johnson is still there and out-targeted him pretty significantly. Just gets open at a better rate as well. Um, If we keep going, Sutton looked like an afterthought once Judy got going. That's why I was so excited to take Judy at 503 is I kind of felt like we just saw it happen this year. We, we really didn't know who it was going to be. It looked like Sutton early on. And then it was pretty clear by the end of the season, no, no, no. Jerry Judy is the clear best receiver in this offense by quite a bit. And outside of that one elite season that Sutton had, where there was really no target competition, and at this point it's, what, three and a half years ago, he feels like someone that, uh, he's going to be like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. I don't just see, I don't see the upside. I think the range of outcomes is narrow. I loved the Dotson pick. I don't know what the difference is between McLaurin at 509 and Dotson at 709 was kind of how I thought about it. So kind of funny that, that Billy got both. I almost feel like they should go a lot closer together and that he took McLaurin a little early and then Dotson kind of fell and was gifted to him. I don't have nuanced thoughts on the rookies yet uh, in terms of knowing where they should go, but I do love Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnston. I have watched some of his film. I have dug into his statistical profile. You
1: got a Stevie lamb uh,
3: comp. Yeah, people no, were pooping you know, on that. Crazy. And he then was- a lot of people commented and they said, I looked at the film and I see why you said faster CeeDee Lamb. The, the the type of raw athleticism and the way that he gracefully contorts his body gave me CeeDee Lamb. And then I like how CeeDee Lamb doesn't really impress you after the catch with any of his moves, but he always just gets a ton of yards. And he's it's almost like you don't expect him to be as shifty as he is and that you don't really see any elite speed or elite traits out of Lamb after the catch but he's consistently getting there. Whereas with Quentin Johnson, I was like, oh, this guy's bigger and faster than Lamb, which I really liked in terms of what his potential is. If you're going to give me a guy that had really good target shares from year two onward with the frame, with the speed, and he's probably going on the first half of round one, I think he's probably going to go in round five by the end of this summer. So I really liked that one. And then uh, I thought Juju at 803 was just uh, the reach of the century. Personally, he looked god-awful this year. He looked god-awful last year and the year before. I don't know where he's going to be, but he didn't look worth his contract when it was a one-year $3 million deal with the Chiefs. And he's probably not going to be there next year. If he couldn't produce with Patrick Mahomes and no target competition in the receiver room, kind of like, what do you expect from there? Uh, And then I liked, uh, Theo, your Tony pick. I'm gonna just hemorrhage money once again on Kadarius Tony this season. If you're not uh, the guy is way too brutal, but like you per mean? route, he is a top 10 receiver in the NFL per route when healthy. I think that counts for something.
1: Not a bad punt return uh, last night either for Mr. Tony setting the Super Bowl record. You love to see it. Um, what a smart organization the Chiefs are when they traded a third round pick to get him. People mentioned that it might be for special teams and he helped them win the Super Bowl. I mean that they're 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 as sharp as it gets. Um, For me, I I agree with you. I love the Dotson pick. Jordan Addison uh, and Quentin Johnson most likely will rise up just based on draft capital in this format. I think they're both values based on the fact that you're getting them here and they're both going to be in first round NFL picks um, most likely. Uh, I like those picks. I don't mind Jacoby Myers. I think he's going to get paid a lot. I thought that was a sharp pick. Um, But yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I think Dotson really stands out. Um, He's he's it's like People just forget about all the touchdowns scored and how good he looked um, and how well he closed the season, which we like to look at. J.D., who who are the wide receivers here that that stand out for you?
0: Yeah, I'm going to triple down on Dotson. I got him in the eighth round of the hard way. I was sad to see him go here. I thought I might get him again in the eighth round coming back. But, of course, with, you know, you Sharps kind of blocking, uh, sniping along the way. But I'm going to bring attention to two, actually, Theo, round six uh, receivers that we didn't talk about about at all. Which I thought were amazing value. Talking about Muzio, he got Marquise Brown in the sixth round, and then Tyler Lockett went um, right before or after. What is that, eighth or the sixth round? So before um, Marquise. So I like those two picks, actually, especially we were talking about these guys in the seventh. If you can lock up the, the, the volume that those guys are getting in their offenses the round right prior, I think that's some serious value.
1: Yeah, we talked about him with Alfredo Brown. Alfredo is recommending him as a dynasty offseason buy. I got Marquise Brown as wide receiver 36 in a current FFPC draft that I I was drafting. Like, He's forgotten. He's forgotten. He opened up the season so well, and uh, they certainly have a lot invested in him. And if they're going to be as bad as as Vegas and Josh think that they are, he's certainly going to have some nice game scripts. Um, Wanted to pivot over to running back. Well, one
3: thing on Marquise Brown, before we keep going, Hopkins won't be there. There is no way that 31-year-old Hopkins – who's already said he wants out, is going to stay for maybe the NFL's worst team in what's kind of like the final season of his prime at this point. So I think there's almost no chance that he remains in Arizona. So it's really just going to be Marquise Brown sucking up garbage time volume or or game after game after game for next year.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's it's, 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 –
0: You're getting compliments from the chat. Shout out to the chat. You guys have been awesome. Sorry, man. We're just trying to to squeeze Josh as much as we can in in the 60. We got him. So we've been a little uh, ignoring the chat, but we appreciate you guys
1: big time. Wanted to quickly pivot over to running back. We see in the eighth round, you start seeing a a slight run on running backs. We see Rashad White, Tyler Algier, David Montgomery, Billy Muzio with a Cam Akers, which, you know, if anybody knows Billy's history, this was a standout pick. Then James Cook, Isaiah Pacheco, Zach Charbonnet, who I love, AJ Dillon. We see this little cluster of running back picks. Does any of these do any of these players really stand out to you as value here, Josh? Eight eight running backs go in about 13 picks.
3: So I've got a question for you guys. What's the difference between Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier?
1: Nothing. Love that.
3: That's kind of what I was thinking as I was looking at.
1: Quarterback clarity in Atlanta and a coach that you know is going to run the ball in Atlanta versus the mystery box of Cliff Kingsbury if he's the OC for for the Texans.
3: Yeah, it it just kind of seemed like, I don't know who has more job security between Pierce and Algier, but if they're going nearly three rounds apart and they're both pretty similar, like by the end of the season, Algier was catching passes. He caught passes in college. It's not like – Pierce is necessarily some elite pass catcher either. We were kind of disappointed with his pass game usage. I think for the most part, it was almost like Pierce was much better in the run game and then just not quite as much in the receiving game. I think the Falcons offense is going to be better than the Texans most likely next year. So I thought that was probably the the best pick out of all those running back picks personally, though. I also liked acres. I I texted Billy because he and I have been going back and forth on acres for two years. Now we've podcasted about him so many times. And I texted him, I said, you know what, I was looking at Akers in the next round. Nice pick there. I know you hate the guy, but he, he flashed a lot down the stretch. But overall, Algier looked like the best pick for me in that range.
0: Steve, I don't know if you noticed, but Josh is just pinging off my Hardway draft, which I love. I, I got Algier in the ninth. And I mean, I love looking at guys and how they did at the end of a season. And you look from 15 to 18, he was a top 12 three of those weeks and he was top 16 running back in the last week in that iffy Atlanta offense. So again, you think this offense is ascending. They're going to take a step forward. He looked like he can handle volume. I like Algier at this, at this, uh, at this value for sure.
1: Yeah. And shout out to, to Billy. It's that's uh, so funny. It's it's like the old Harvey Dent Batman quote, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself a villain. That's, that's Billy. <laughs> Josh finally broke him down. Um, so there we go, and, and uh, I, I like the value there. But also, I like my Dylan pick. I know Dan Dan Williamson is is high on him in this range, and Andrew Schellenberg is as well. Great, that, great value, great value. Uh, I think that Aaron Jones could be a sneaky cut candidate, and I think that that his his contract situation is up in the air in terms of like what direction they're taking, especially if Rogers moves on. So I think that Dylan could rise up. Um, that kind of for those running backs, that, that kind of does it for me. I wanted to just quickly look at the tight ends. We see a cluster of tight ends go um, in the eighth round with Waller, um, Friermuth, and then we see uh, other, other tight ends start to go in the in the ninth, and then we see Schultz and Njoku and uh, in the tenth. So it's kind of a, a, a two-and-a-half-round cluster of tight ends here. Do any of these guys stand out to you as a value, Josh?
3: My fire alarm is getting tested right now. So I'll let you guys know I'd
1: send it in the private chat. No, no worries at all. You know what? That's that, that kind of, uh, don't
0: worry about it. We've no, done like... the 60. Yeah, man. We, we appreciate you, Josh guys. Check out Josh Larky at J Larky tweets and at the 33rd t- team guys, no brainer follow, check out all his material, especially right now when you're smashing best balls, you want to get an edge. He's definitely the guy, Josh, we appreciate your time, man.
3: Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> I yeah, love and, it. And make sure if you enjoyed uh, today with Josh, make sure you tune in Wednesday night um, because we have the current uh, best ball mania champion, Pat Corain of NBC sports edge returning to the goat district. Um, <laughs> so we'll go over some of these uh, polarizing rising ADPs, uh, especially in the underdog streets uh, and get a chance to, to sit down with Pat after his huge, huge accomplishment. Um, you know, it's, we, you know, Last time we had him on, um, he was a fantastic guest, and now he's got all the receipts to prove it. So we're, we're excited to have him back in the district.
0: Two, two million, two million more reasons, right, Theo?
1: A hundred percent, man.
0: You know, the guy, it, the,
1: guy could, the guy could, you know, he's going to run pure the rest of his life with with that takedown. That's a hell of a win.
0: It's a, like the guy's, the guy's a beauty. It's well-deserved. We can't wait to talk to him. We've had a blast with Josh. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Stick with us all off-season, guys. Smash a subscribe, smash a like. We appreciate your support. We'll check you all. Later.
2: District <laughs> Bleep a ball bleep a ball bleep a ball bleep bleep ball and I bleep a ball bleep a ball It's the code district ya a ball cause I bleep bleep Bleed, ayy hey. bleeding, I ball Defeated the ice and see him at all JD in the pies I needed it all I bleeded a lie You bleeded a lie not nah, I bleeded a lie And that's what a go do Facts, let me show you Happen to know Do Draft and they don't do bad And they don't lose Make you wanna Bleed, bleed, bleed It's the a- Go district boys, giving you the penis and no gimmicks. The basketball drafts got me feeling like it's Christmas. Yeah. Then it's Christmas all of a sudden, and these riches came from nothing. And I got this all from loving a district. See, I just drafted, forget it. I laughed at the critics, yeah. they mad at the digits. Yeah. I clap back by listening. Yeah. See, bowling ain't a problem if you kick it with them off. And I refresh the feet till autumn, then I bleep, 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 go.
1: Awesome time, fellas. That was really good. Yeah, that was fun, Josh. Appreciate it, man.
3: Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Sorry, get, out get out of the building. Get out of the building,